Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited to have with us today Magdalena Shalaki. She is the founder of the popular Hormones Balance online community and a holistic nutrition coach. Developing hyperthyroidism and then Hashimoto's adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance propelled her to leave a high-pressure advertising career and develop a new way of eating that would repair her hormones working smoothly. Now symptom-free, Magdalena shares her practical, proven knowledge so other women may benefit. In Cooking for Hormone Balance, she draws on current research to explain the essential role food plays in keeping our hormones in harmony and offers easy, flavorful recipes to help us eat our way to good health. She also offers clear, concise action plans for what to remove and add to our daily diet to regain hormonal balance, including guides for specific conditions. Magdalena, welcome. Thank you. What a nice introduction. Really appreciate it. You're so welcome. And and for everyone to know, I've been following Magdalena on social media for a long time and really enjoy sharing you know, some of your recipes with my hormonally health challenged clients and patients. So it's so nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we really love your story about your own health journey and finding solace in the healing powers of food. Um, Your story is also incredibly inspiring as we both see that so much hormonal health issues in our own client and patient populations. I would love for you to share with our listeners, you know, very briefly, what your own health journey was like for yourself. Yeah, so, you know, I think um, the proverbial S-H-I-T hit the fan in 2008 when I finally got a diagnosis uh, of Hashimoto's disease that explained the constant fatigue and anxiety and panic attacks that I was getting. And I'm a pretty chilled person, so to feel so anxious was very unusual, but also having horrendous mood swings and just not recognizing myself anymore. And we like to tell the stories from a time of diagnosis, but the truth is that, uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, my whole life was just pretty much a set of events that set me up for developing an autoimmune disease. And for those listeners who are not familiar with Hashimoto's, it's an autoimmune disease. Um, it, well, they call it it's a thyroid, you know, it's a hypothyroidism, it's a form of hypoth... But really, it's an autoimmune disease, it's not a thyroid disease. The thyroid just happens to suffer from it. Um, you know, everything from not being a breastfed baby to being born to a highly narcissistic and nervous mother, um, being put on antibiotics already in the first uh, month of my life, developing pneumonia, um, you know, and um, always suffering from eczema and horrendous ear infections as a young child, uh, which was uh, at that time we didn't know about it. It was an outcome of food sensitivities, especially to eggs and dairy, in my case, uh, a little bit of gluten as well. And these food sensitivities, you know, we had no idea back then that that's what was causing all these problems. Um, they evolved to. 
um, other symptoms, which was in my early 20s, it was um, cystic acne, migraines, horrible PMSs. I will take two days off from work uh, just to get through uh, the first two days of my period. Um, you know, I never owned a shirt or a dress that had an open back or an open front because I was covered in cystic acne. You know, you can kind of show, you, you can kind of cover it up on the face, right, with makeup. But when you have it on your back and your butt and your chest, it's you know, makeup just doesn't cover it because you can see these little volcanoes on your on your skin. It was pretty. It was very emotionally scarring. And, you know, a search pointed me, just a simple, at that time, Yahoo search pointed me in the direction of uh, food. And I remember finding an article that said that gluten cause, could be causing adult acne. And that kind of put me on that path. Uh, but then, you know, I, when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, I was sort of eating cleanly as much as I could. Uh, but that was also the element of horrendous stress. So at that time, I was working uh, for an advertising agency on um, Fortune 100 brands. So, you know, with really, I mean, clients, very prestigious clients like Nike and L'Oreal and Johnson & Johnson were my clients. And I was constantly on flights uh, flying. I was, I was in a regional job, so I was covering um, Asia and Southeast Asia and China, greater China. And so every week I will be somewhere on a flight. My friends used to call me and say, I'm not going to ask you, how are you? I'm going to ask you, where are you <laughs> right now? And it, you know, it all of that sounded really sexy, but then the truth of the matter was that you are the person on the Sunday night working on your PowerPoint slides to present on Monday and you're eating hotel food and you are eating off airports, uh, you know, airports are feeding you basically, which is never a good combination. So the combination of stress, travel, poor eating habits. I used to smoke back in the day as well. Um, a lot of partying, you know, and advertising. The one thing I didn't do, I have to say, is drugs. <laughs> you know, so, mm -hmm. that's, um, so really, that's when my health collapsed in 2008. And that was a wake up moment for me. Um, and as you know, I've been on this journey for the past decade. And I have to say that I'm happy to say that as a 45 year old woman, actually, sorry, I just turned 46, actually, in just a month ago. So as a 46 year old woman, you know, I feel way better and I got my stuff together um, emotionally and physically as compared to when I was 26 years old. So yeah. it's possible, you know, it's all possible. And, and, and you're right that I, I believe in the f journey of food, but I also, as you know, as, as I'm coming, as I'm developing also as a practitioner, I also see the horrendous impact that self-love um, or that I should I want to say the tr the the impactful um, you know the impact that self love um, and and stress reduction um, and detoxification also plays a role alongside with food when you want to rebalance your hormones. Absolutely, it's kind of a holistic perspective, and I think all of those pieces are ultimately necessary. We often dive into one of them, but end up feeling our best when we can incorporate many. Well, let's go back for a moment to the processed food. You mentioned living on airport food and that hotels and airports were feeding you. Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on the processed food industry and how it inflames us and can keep us obese and addicted to that food? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> um, it's interesting because, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm of European descent. My parents, you know, I got, I'm of Polish parents and my father uh, was a diplomat. So we lived, I lived most of my life outside of uh, Poland, but you know, spent a lot of time in Europe. 
And you do not see as much of processing of food, I have to say, as, as it is here in the United States. And, you know, I think a lot of people have said it way better than I do because it's really, I, I kind of focus on what can we do rather than, you know, be um, spending too much time on uh, being angry with the industry. I think if you educate consumers of what to avoid and why to avoid it, that's that's already a huge win. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I, I find is kind of shocking when I came to the United States was how much of a strong belief there is that without these processed foods, we can't function well. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, to me, protein powders and shakes are highly processed food. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that can stand on the, sit on the shelf for <laughs> more than two years and it's called food, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I have this article that I wrote a few years ago saying whatever, X number of reasons to get off protein powders in the morning and eat real food. And I remember when, <laughs> when I first published that article, people will write to us and say, then what do you want me to eat for, as my protein for breakfast? Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, how about just a piece of chicken? How about just a piece of salmon? How about some leftover for dinner? You know, whatever you have, right? So it's, it's fascinating. I think it's not just the industry itself, but it's the, um, it's the, it's, it really is the brainwashing that it right. has done to us that we, we you know, we, Americans have come to believe that we can't function without that food. Well, yeah. and I think we've we've really, um, you know, people feel so disempowered about cooking for themselves. They feel like it's too complicated. It's too hard. Um, it's always interesting to me when I'm working with clients that, you know, perhaps have been really dependent on a highly processed diet. The thought of them walking into a grocery store and picking up three or four different types of vegetables and a couple protein sources from an animal um, and, you know, a few other, you know, maybe starchy carbs like sweet potatoes or, or quinoa or something like that, it, they feel lost. And we have become so disengaged and disconnected from the whole art of cooking. And I find that profoundly distressing. And, and it's interesting when we travel, um, when we travel to other countries, even going over to Europe, um, you know, twice last year, I was I kept saying to my my kids, I was like, you just don't see as much obesity. I mean, you do see it. But people in big cities in Europe are walking and they, you know, they, they don't keep a, a huge pantry of food, they're, they're out buying fresh ingredients. Um, with frequency and it's it's really distressing and so I agree with you wholeheartedly I know Kelly does as well um, that you know that mindset shift is so crucial if people are going to step away from a great deal about our focus on everyday wellness is on supporting gut health and one of my new favorite ways to recommend to family and friends and even clients is to consider colostrum and so equip foods has an amazing product that helps to improve immunity and gut health and recovery and each scoop contains grass-fed, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free colostrum. And if you're wondering what colostrum is, it's a nutritional powerhouse that serves as the first source of nutrition for mammals in nature. It's been shown to enhance immune function, gut health, and recovery with vital nutrients such as 
lactoferrin, growth factors, and proline-rich polypeptides. Colostrum is a natural milk-like fluid produced by mammals immediately following delivery of the newborn. And while colostrum is a dairy product, it does not contain milk or lactose. So most people with lactose intolerance usually find colostrum very easily digestible and beneficial to gut health. You can use one scoop a day. You can mix it in things like coffee or mix it in shakes or even yogurt or even some of your baked food recipes. As I mentioned, has a lot of health benefits, including research demonstrating the improvement in a reduction in inflammation, promoting good gut flora, and supporting restoring leaky gut to normal permeability. And what I love best is that Equip Foods is very ethically focused. Their cows are humanely raised and ethically treated. And cows produce an excess of colostrum when nursing. So only after their babies get what they need, are they able to source the excess colostrum for use in their products. There is three grams of colostrum in each scoop and one serving in comparison to main competitors has just one gram. And research demonstrates that this dose of three grams actually promotes more benefits to gut health, immune function, recovery, and vitality. So if you'd love to take care of your health, you can go to www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20 to get 20% off your first order. That's www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20. You definitely want to check this out. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Feeling dependent on all these, you know, highly processed foods. And there was an interesting book that I read probably four or five years ago called Salt, Sugar and Fat. And it talks about Mm -hmm. the rise of the processed food industry and how addictive it is. And it really gives some science behind the addictive quality of of some of these foods like high fructose corn syrup as as an example. Uh, and how it correlates with, you know, the rise in obesity in the United States. So definitely distressing. But I can imagine having not grown up here, 
um, how much more um, shocking that would have been to have to have seen. Yeah, and also you know foods that are touted as that are being labeled as or and marketed. You know, and again coming mm-hmm. from advertising, I I see that you know I smell the rat so to speak right away, right? And <laughs> and and um and and then you look at the label and you go, why is there twenty nine grams of sugar? per serving in the seemingly healthy drink that you are marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so the amount of sugar was another real shocker. Uh, but you know, I just wanna mention that you, you mentioned Europe and I've spent a significant amount, of, obviously amount of my time and life in, in Europe. And one of the things about Europeans, and this is something that, you know, we like to emulate um, Europe a lot in the United States. And I think that's one gives, you, gives us one opportunity to to borrow something from Europeans when it comes to food, and that is cooking. Mm -hmm. It's a real celebration of people coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's not a chore. It's not that one dollar pizza that you go go and get down the street, um, or those frozen dinners. But it's it's a real celebration. Everybody participates, and a lot of dinner parties happen in the kitchen. And I mean, think about it. Like the best conversations, right? Like you go to a party, and the best conversations happen in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Why is that so? It's the food that unites us. And so, you know, if anybody is stuck in the rut and is, is still believes that making for your own food is a real chore, then when I invite you to invite your friends over, not just for dinner party, but actually to make dinner together. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. become such a beautiful um, ceremony. Yeah, and I think that that plays a lot into uh, values and priority shift. Oftentimes here in America, and especially where Cynthia and I are in the D.C. area, there's um, a huge focus on getting things done and being efficient and being productive. And that becomes the top priority and the top value at the cost of spending time on cooking. Mm-hmm. But I but I also think that it's wonderful to spend time with people in the kitchen and cooking, but it doesn't have to be an all-day Instagram-worthy picture when you're finished. Exactly. And that's what I really love about the recipes that you offer. I mean, they still look beautiful and amazing, but they're simple. A handful mm-hmm. of ingredients that you put together that are really healthy. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and that was part of the reason uh, why they are so simple is because when I, even when I worked in advertising and I'll come home at 8, 9 o'clock at night, I will still want to put something together really quickly. So I'll give you an example. One of my go-to soups, and it's in the cookbook as well, is a simple miso soup. You know, as long as you have some stock um, in in the, in the fridge, which you can pre-make like mm-hmm. days ahead, um, and uh, just adding miso paste to it, and then whatever vegetables you have and the piece of protein, and you literally within 15 minutes, you have a soup that's ready to go. You know, and it's got, you can put some kale in it, you can put, um, you know, whatever green vegetables, right? And, um, and um, yeah, a piece of protein. It's just such a, you know, you've got the amazing probiotics. You just don't want to cook it at a high, mm-hmm. at a high uh, heat because that's going to kill the probiotic and the enzymes in the miso. But, you know, it really, it's literally just 15. So I'm a lazy cook. I'll just tell you that straight <laughs> up. Like, I am not the person who's going to be, like, sometimes I look at recipes and it says four hours to make it. I'm like, no way. Moving on. <laughs> But I love that because I think um, there's this misconception that people have to spend hours and hours and hours in the kitchen. And essentially what you are encouraging, you know, your readers and, and the participants that, that work with you is to empower them to say you can come home from a long day and throw all this together and still have something that's healthy and nourishing and do it, you know, fairly quickly. 
Yeah, we are. I am working on a cookbook uh, that's gonna be five ingredients only. Um, oh. So that's gonna be something. Yeah, because you know, it's uh, a lot of cookbooks do say it's everything is easy and quick, and then when mm-hmm. you really look at the recipes, the time is underestimated, and there's so many pots and pans you're gonna use that so you end up really spending an hour and a half. Uh, doing everything and so we want to do it like a 30 minutes five ingredients kind of um, recipes and so that's another book that I'm working on. Oh that's great and you make a great point there about underestimating the amount of time because even if a recipe isn't super complicated if there are a number of ingredients or a number of different steps you spend as much time prepping and uh, preparing and washing and cleaning on the end than you as you do making the actual food. Totally. So I'm curious, you know, when we backtrack a little bit about, you know, your own health journey, tell us what it was like for you initially when you when you were diagnosed with Hashimoto's and presumably you were given, um, I'm presuming that you were given synthetic thyroid hormone, probably not nature thyroid, uh, or one of the more, you know, bioidentical thyroid hormones. What was that process like? And, and how did that go for you? When did you kind of figure out the piece about changing and altering the way that you were eating had these profound healing opportunities. Yeah, so interestingly, you know, that the doc who diagnosed me and bless her really, I mean, it was so quick, um, given my history of hyperthyroidism eight, eight years before that, mm-hmm. um, was that she, you know, actually my, my TSH, my thyroid stimulating hormone, my T3, free T3 and T4 all within ranges. And so she didn't want to put me on any meds. And that was one of the most frustrating things because I'm like walking in there so exhausted and so not myself. And she says, she closes the files. And I still remember that I have this you know, vision of her. She closes the file. She says, there is nothing that we can do for you because my antibodies right. were screamingly high. I was over a thousand. Wow. Um, and you should be below 30, right? And I was feeling terrible, but there was nothing. So that's why I ended up going seeing traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. And my antibodies dropped by about 500 and she really focused on you know as TCM does on rebalancing the body mm-hmm. and that helped somewhat but you know tr- I, as much as I love and I, res- I have so much of love and respect for TCM and Ayurveda uh, I don't think these these medicinal systems really were um, designed to deal with modern chronic diseases such as autoimmunity and so she never told me about you know how to change my diet so there was only one back in 2008 there was only one book you guys on thyroid really and so i express shipped it to china i paid like three times more for the shipping than the book and all i found out from the book is that i should stop eating soy and um so no tofu and no bok choy and I was like, what? That's it? Mm. <laughs> so, so, so for those of you who are frustrated with, um, you know, with having a condition like Hashimoto's or any form of chronic uh, autoimmune problem, I tell you today, I mean, these resources are so abundant and there are so many amazing protocols out there. Be grateful for that because 2008, there was nothing. Here, you guys, just a little uh, funny story. I I, I, I had one friend who had Hashimoto's disease. She was Venezuelan. And so I was considering taking a flight from Shanghai, where I was that time living, living, to Caracas, which was, you know, crime ridden. Like you have to hire bodyguards when you go to Caracas because that's 
where mm. her doctor was and he was fairly holistic and he put her on a special diet and I was like who is this man I need to meet him and that time you know the ticket would have costed twelve thousand dollars to get over to wow. so needless to say I didn't do that but I was really close to doing it because that's how desperate I was so I want to just offer a reframe for everyone who gets frustrated with their conditions they're amazing resources and just tap into those um, so you know it's over time that I realized that from reading about other autoimmune diseases I realized how important the gut was and I really started focusing on doing a full elimination diet getting off dairy gluten um, and and then addressing a lot of my gut infections so I had chronic case of H. pylori which is a bacteria infection that affects uh, your stomach's ability producing stomach acid. So I had perpetually low stomach acid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that way I wasn't digesting food. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting all the nutrients out of, out of the food that I was eating. And furthermore, when you have a low stomach acid, uh, any bugs start flowing through it very easily and creating havoc in your digestion. So I ended up having a lot of parasitic infections that I was fighting for a couple of years. So it's just, you know, bottom line is just doing a lot of work on the gut recovery. Um, I also was diagnosed with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Oh, you were a hot mess. I was a hot mess. Yeah. And so, so treating that with a very skilled practitioner was another, you know, part of the journey. So I'm just condensing everything into like these, you know, a three minute um, synopsis. But really, this is something that took me about five years to put together to figure it out. Um, yeah. And that's incredible. You know, I'm Western medicine trained, but also functionally trained. And I can tell you that um, a lot of those connections, you know, when I see someone that has H. pylori, I automatically, and I will tell them, but quite honestly, I'm like, where H. pylori hides, SIBO and parasites generally reside. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm already telling them that if, if one of the natural defenses in the body, hydrochloric acid, is not in sufficient amounts, um, it really sets you up. And, and I always think about, you know, if someone is infected with H. pylori and we do stool testing, um, and I like the GI map for that, yes. if it's gotten all the way from their stomach through their intestines into their feces, they have a lot of H. pylori. Um, if it's been able to make its way all the way down and, and be excreted. So um, I just think there are so many people who have profoundly dysregulated, disrupted gut flora that really makes just it's prime ripe and ready for those kinds of opportunistic infections. And I'm so glad that you, you know, you on your own health journey, you've you figured all those things out. But yeah, I can imagine 10 years ago, there was probably very little information compared to now. Um, and certainly a whole lot more than you know, when I did my training many years ago. Uh, but I'm so glad that you got some answers. And now you can help inspire other women um, and families to, to take better care of themselves. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I just want to also mention like that, um, I mean, s since, you know, I'm the hormones person, right? My whole, my whole practice is called hormones balance. And you might wonder like what, what has got the gut health to do with hormonal balance? And there's a couple of things, you know, that it's really worthwhile remembering. Um, number one is that when you have a lot of gut infections and, um, and you might not even know you have an infection, but it just manifests as being constantly either having loose stool, constipation, um, fluffy stool and being bloated and gassy, all that stuff, right? And you think like, well, what's the, like, how does it connect to hormones? Interestingly, uh, the gut bacteria is there is a subset of gut bacteria called the estrobolum. Mm -hmm. And the estrobolum codes for enzymes that break down estrogens. So 
one of the you know one of the things that messed up gut can cause is are all the symptoms of estrogen dominance and it will manifest in the form of things like fibrocystic breasts lumpy breasts mm-hmm. um, you know having thyroid nodule is very estrogenic having terrible mm-hmm. pmss pmdd um, having uh, fibroids endometriosis right and we don't make the connection mm-hmm. that hey like you know i gotta take care of my gut first before i even address all these fibroids or endometriosis or whatever it might be, right? Uh, Not to mention that breast cancer, majority of breast cancers in the United States are estrogen receptor positive. That Mm -hmm. means you're not clearing estrogen properly and that's what's causing the proliferation of the malignant cells Mm -hmm. uh, as in the case of breast cancer. So it's really profound how you really want to go under the hood rather than be popping yet another supplement going Mm -hmm. like, oh, what's the supplement I can do for estrogen dominance? I mean, it can be helpful, but it's, you know, I like to say it's a little bit like I, I just bought a mountain house out in Colorado where I live and it's on a hill. And one of the first things that I, you know, it's a beautiful house. It's a stunning house, a stunning view. But one of the first thing I did was I get, I got a structural engineer to come and look at the foundation because I can have mm-hmm. a beautiful house, but then if the foundation isn't strong, mm-hmm. right? So what? Like the house is going to be worth nothing. And, you know, I'm going to run into a huge risk. So with, with um, hormonal balance, I have found is the underlying three bodily systems that really govern a solid hormonal balance. Gut health is one, liver, uh, liver health, and number three is our sugar balance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, those are so important. So, and there's so much going on. You've talked about so many different things. Can you kind of take us through what would happen when a client comes to you? Where do you start looking? Yeah, such an important question. And, you know, I don't, I don't take clients anymore, but when we work with um, uh, groups and, and we, we get emails from our community, the, uh, I always love to start off with doing a full el- el- elimination diet. And so getting people off what I call the big five and the small five, so it's basically getting the, the big fives are the big culprits generally. doesn't mean you have a problem with all of them, but uh, that would be things like gluten, dairy, eggs, corn, soy. And um, I also, um, for some, some women who might be also cutting out nightshade vegetables, right, because they can be highly inflammatory. The yeah. whole idea behind it is that I have found the element, ele- sorry, elimination diet can be so hugely anti-inflammatory for a person that so many things like symptoms that have been plaguing a person for years, you know, strange, uh, uh, strange growth behind the ear, um, having vision issues, having pains and aches, depression, anxiety, better sleep. I mean, you name it, uh, just suddenly start going away. And so that's something that I love to start off with for someone who is um, just starting out on this journey. And, and we're seeing that, you know, I have specific protocols in my cookbook on like, what do you do if you have, you go through perimenopause or you have estrogen dominance or thyroid and Hashimoto's, PCOS, all these protocols. But what I have found is that once the people start doing the elimination diet. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. 
It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Uh, it's like so many symptoms just start going away. All the hormonal symptoms I'm talking about as well. And that's pretty, it's, I found it really profound. You know, and it's interesting. I, I think that um, the perception is that going gluten-free is too hard to do or dairy-free or nightshades, all those things. But when someone's really ready to commit to those kinds of lifestyle changes, um, I have a bunch of women in a, a group program right now. And the ones that are really committing, they feel so much better. They're like, there's no way I'm going back. Absolutely. Um, but how sad is it that foods that are in the processed food industry, largely, you know, the exposure to um, toxins and pesticides oftentimes can really exacerbate all these gut health issues. And, and that's that growing awareness, I think, is so important for people to realize that it's not just um, you know, we're telling people to go, you know, blow their entire, you know, discretionary income on on organic produce. But when they start to understand and make the connections that, 
you know, sometimes those non-organic options really can be non-beneficial. And here's why. Um, mm-hmm. The why behind the how can be really can be really insightful. Yeah, and you know, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. And just to also add, when I say the elimination diet, I'm not talking about going into junky, non-gluten-free, mm-hmm. bre- you know, or junky, dairy-free uh, foods that made of like are made of like processed soy or things like that. Absolutely not. Um, it's it's also you know one of the things that I do with the elimination diet is um, bringing the inflammation down is one thing, but also I've designed it in a way that it automatically plays multiple roles. One of which is to balance our sugar levels. Mm-hmm. You know, as as mentioned in the beginning, as a European, one of the and you know, somebody who grew up in Asia most of my life actually I spent 22 years uh, of my life in Asia almost of my adult life. And, you know, one of the biggest shockers coming to the United States was how sweet everything tasted. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues, I remember, you know, starting off at the advertising agency and going out for lunches and people will do those slushes and soft drinks. And I'm like, wow, this is so sweet. I can't even have two more than two sips. And I can see people just gobbling down the whole thing. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So... America is addicted to sugar. Nothing, probably nothing new on, to say on this podcast. Um, so one of the things when I say elim- elimination diet is also combining that with a really great sugar balancing protocol. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do to sh- to rebalance our blood sugar levels is to stop eating desserts because that's what a lot of people do and mm-hmm. think that's really healthy. Stop eating desserts for breakfast. Uh-huh. And so a lot of the breakfast that um, you will see in my cookbook and what I recommend is to really switch over to something, um, what I call PFF, protein, fat, and fiber mm-hmm. rich breakfast. So protein, fat, and fiber. You see, there's no word carbohydrates in there, no mm-hmm. sugar. And it doesn't have to be a zero sugar, but just as long as you have enough protein, fat, and fiber. Um, a big part of the, a big inspiration for these kind of breakfasts was that, you know, if you guys travel around the world, like whether you go to Ethiopia or Japan, Korea, India, Turkey, whatever, People do not eat sweet stuff for breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. Sure. Right? Absolutely. It's always savory. And there's a reason behind it. And you can have, you know, like in Turkey, you have a little bit of like honey and jam at the end. But you have already eaten all the salami and a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, when I say bread, it's because people's guts there are not as messed up as we are here. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, if you really want to do bread, just do it like a gluten-free, um, mm-hmm. like a whole grain um, bread that's gluten-free. But, you know, so when you do have that little bit of sweetness, it's an add-on and it's not the majority of the breakfast so really really important sugar balance in hormonal uh, rebalancing I love that you're introducing this idea of kind of flipping how we look at breakfast because I think this goes back to what we talked about in the beginning a little bit is the marketing and kind of what we're told breakfast looks like and so when we can think about eating food for breakfast rather than eating a specific sweet type of uh, dessert, as you called it, for breakfast, I think that can have a huge shift on the whole rest of the day, your hormones and your sugar balance for the entire day and and sleep that evening as well. Oh my gosh, you're so right on this. You know, one of the uh, iconic statements that came out of our, we have a very vibrant online group and there was this really wise woman and she said, to change my nights, I had to change my breakfast. Yeah. She yeah. slapped, she got, she stopped using um, uh, sleeping pills mm-hmm. because of changes in her breakfast and her entire day complete change. Because guess what? 
she wasn't having any sugar dips, which then caused her at 11 o'clock to drop again and crush and then mm -hmm. have another cup of coffee and, and a muffin or whatever, right? And then when we crash like that, there is like so much of guilt associated with it. Like, why am I so weak? Why do I have to reach out for that muffin? Like, why can't I just say no? Even if it's gluten-free, it doesn't matter. It's full of sugar, right? right. And then three o'clock comes and then we are in a total slump again. And so you go for another coffee, right? So that's like cup number three. You know, and and uh, and then coffee at 3 p.m. for a lot of people, it's bad news. That's why, and they don't make the connection. That's why they have a problem uh, falling asleep at night, right? So, you know, you're just going through this vicious circle, and all it takes is just going all the way upstream, changing your breakfast, and see profound, profound difference. I can't tell you. This is like besides doing the elimination diet, I would say changing our breakfast is like the second most profound thing you can do for yourself. Well, and I think it also speaks to the fact that you know. Our bodies are, are designed, if you think ancestrally, we are designed to not be grazing all day long, which doesn't do any benefit to our blood sugar. And we're really designed to eat, you know, two or three meals a day. And we are conditioned to believe that we have to have snacks all day long. And, you know, if you're hungry an hour or two hours after a meal and you're an adult, it's the wrong macronutrients. And I spend a lot of time, you know, and... I should probably backtrack and say my functional and, and Western medicine training usually, you know, oftentimes will go hand in hand with one another. But for many years, we were telling patients that fat is bad um, and healthy fats are really the mainstay of maintaining, in my opinion, maintaining our blood sugar. So I love that you're suggesting that, you know, that that for that, you know, the, the protein, fat and fiber uh, combination. But I always remind my clients, I'm like, listen, if you're hungry an hour or two after you ate, it's the wrong combination of foods. You need more mm. fat. Fat will help mm -hmm. sustain you. And the other piece is if you are a sugar burner, not a fat burner, you may not have sufficient glycogen stores to be able to maintain your blood sugar overnight. So that can also can contribute largely to um, all the sleep issues that I start seeing with my female clients as they're getting older. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Magdalena, you've provided us with so much great information. One of the questions we like to ask our guests at the end is if they were able to give just two recommendations to our listeners for improving their health every day, what would those two recommendations be? You know, uh, I'm not going to be terribly creative. I mean, I think we talked about the doing the full elimination diet just uh, and to cut out all the inflammatory foods and... Um, and, you know, getting on a good breakfast. So, but I think from a mindset perspective is, um, you know, I, I would say just really realizing how much you love yourself and how important this is to you, you know, and what are the things you could be doing you're not doing today um, by making these changes? Because I know it's not easy, you know, to give up stuff um, or to start introducing things that maybe we are not used to. And so... Yeah, I would say just, you know, just really um, asking that question, what would you be doing that you're not doing today uh, that will make you that amazing person that we want to be, you know, in terms of career and how we want to show up for our partners and children and friends and in our jobs and the things that we, the dreams that we have and what's stopping us from doing that. And I have found that when we make changes in our diet, it's just like it propels us, it catapults us almost mm -hmm. to a new place in life. And so that would be my closing thought. I love that. Can you let our listeners know how to find you? Yeah, my website is hormones with an S, hormonesbalance.com. And um, that's the website. And if you want to dive into getting a cookbook and getting started with some simple recipes, 
um, then the, the name of the book is Cooking for Hormone Balance. And you can find it in any large bookstores, independent bookstores, and of course on Amazon. Wonderful. Of course, we'll all look for that and we'll link to it in our show notes as well. So thanks again for being here. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.